and I don't know Adam. I think I think it was God. Okay, because there was no explanation for why I was getting out early on gun charges, and gun and uh, possession of fentanyl or possession of dope. So I got out of jail, and uh, I mean, it was just I, I really I, I didn't know what to do. I came out of jail, and uh, the person that picked me up from the jail when I first got out. I had no idea he was going to show up. I had no idea this person was going to be there for me. I thought it was, you know, one-time thing. I didn't know how deep these people could get involved with my life. But Stanley Miranda pulled up to the jail where I was, uh, the program, the facility in Brewster, and uh, he, he picked me up with my mother. He had my mother and another fellow, and uh, as soon as I went home, I reunited with my uh, my girlfriend at the time, which later became my wife. But um, here I am, back from jail, and I don't have a lot of money. I'm not working. I'm not doing anything. I'm literally counting the days until I fall back into the lifestyle that I was in before I went to juvie. And somebody comes to the door, somebody knocks on the door and comes to get me. And uh, as soon as I open the door, <laughs> it's Stanley Miranda. And he said, what's up, Carlito? You coming to church or not? And I told him, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. I will come to church. And so I went out there and I went to church with him. And um, ever since that day, I started... I got acquainted with the uh, Victory Chapel, and it was like I had a place of my own to call home. It was like as soon as I got in there, everybody was, uh, you know, everybody was, you know, pretty much friendly. Nobody was uh, judgmental or anything like that. Yeah, so uh, here I am in Baptist Church. I got a lot of people that are unfamiliar. For some odd reason, it felt like I've done this forever. These people were warm, you know. They were warm. They were motherly. They were happy. They uh, they looked content. And uh, they had something I didn't have. And I didn't know what to call it at the time. Okay? And I do now. I'm going to get to that as well. But I began to go to church. Um, God starts really getting deep into my life and to dissect things in one touch. I remember my prayer was, I want my parents to start coming to church along with my brother. And uh, I want my sister to come to church. I want my family to come to church. And it didn't really happen right away. In fact, I backslid. I backslid and I you know, I, I wasn't doing the right thing. I backslid. I went back with my girlfriend. We had problems. She started cheating on me. I started to learn how to become a dad. And uh, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of things and the dynamics that were taking me away from the presence of God. And when I allowed these things, it just got worse. So every now and then, I'd go back to church. And this happened for a year on and off. After I got out of the uh, juvie, 
And then I disappeared, and then I came back. And then I backslid again, and then I disappeared, and then I came back. And it was like a cycle. I kept on doing it, you know. My father had a drug habit. And uh, all my life, I've seen him high on drugs. I've seen him acting crazy on drugs. He got he was a crack smoker, and he got uh, very paranoid uh, whenever he used to smoke crack. And so he used to do things that, you know, sketched all of us out. We, 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 as kids, we had no explanation for it, so we would mimic my dad at just playing around, you know, moving our jaw and, you know, being bug-eyed. And we, we, we didn't know what was really going on until later. Uh, my father had a series of uh, coke figures where he would steal our stuff and uh, he would sell it. My mother was a great woman. Uh, she's still alive. My father was not. My father passed away. But my mother was a, a great woman to him. Fantastic mother. And, um, you know, all she used to do was buy things for being good at school. My father, you know, used to, he used to take and sell from necklaces to earrings to, um, uh, you know, to even children books, pets. Uh, you know, you, you, you name it. My father would, would sell these things, would take these things and sell them. And, uh, video gaming stations, stuff like that. Uh, you know, when, uh, when I got a little older, I started to protect myself more. And, um, you know, uh, my, uh, my, myself seeing and growing up inside a toxic environment. I became an addict myself, and I started to use illicit drugs, and I started to, I, I wouldn't sell my stuff, but uh, every time, when I was younger, back in those days, I used to sell the drugs that I was doing. A lot of the time, everybody who's using these drugs begin to, they begin to sell the drugs in order <laughs> to support the habit. Uh, but monkeys can't sell bananas. No, that's that that uh, a dead end business there. And I found out really soon that um this type of stuff causes heat. Heat that you don't want. Um, attention that you don't want to get yourself into. And uh, what kind of attention? You know, in particular, uh well, the police attention, the authorities and um you know, I always looked at authority in a wrong way because I was always doing something against the law the way I saw my father doing it, you know. Um, even though my mother, it's no excuse because I had a, a good mother there who was a stellar role model. Uh, she always had a job. She was always giving us money and uh, we were always asking her for money. And on top of my dad taking all her money and, you know, going to get drugs for it. Uh, lying about, you know, lying about paying rent. He never paid the rent with the money. He would go and use it on drugs. And I began to uh, do the same thing. At a young age, about nine years old, I started smoking marijuana. And I would ask my mother for money, but she never did. And I was really going to buy marijuana. So I guess in a way, like a little bit of a generational curse began with the spirit of addiction. And it started to jump from my father down into the generations of his sons. And 
was supposed to offer their daughter. And uh, when I got saved, the real time I got saved, I started, uh, I started coming back to church. I came back to church and uh, I brought my mom with me. And uh, when I brought my mom with me, my dad started to go. He, he, uh, he never went until my mother started to go. We didn't know what was going to get him to go there. And we've been praying about it. But nobody knew that if we went and let mom go, he would follow right along. And that's exactly what happened. So before he got saved, I got saved. Before they got saved, I got saved first. And uh, I remember when I got saved, came over me and said, I can't go back or uh, I'm not going to be saved no more. And I was guarding my salvation with my life. I was guarding it. And I began to protect it. And um, I began to understand that in order to, to continue to be, I had to be around people like me. And in order to stay that way, the way that I wanted to be, I had to begin to stay with the people that were like me. I had to fellowship with the people that were like me. I had to stay away from the people that were doing the stuff I used to do in order to have my life in bondage. I was, I was staying with it. So in order to do that, I moved in with family members. And everything was great. It was great. I spent uh, the better part of two years, I believe, almost two years with him. I spent the whole entire holidays. I believe it was the end of summer, a little bit of the holidays. And uh, so my, uh, I was doing great. I, I was doing phenomenal. My parents got saved. And uh, we needed to get what he was saying. So we, I started to bring my child's mother. And in doing so, I was temptation and flirtation, which I didn't give in right away. I didn't get in right away, but uh, uh, Stanley Miranda told me that I can't hang out where I can't be around her, and he might have been right, but uh, the way he went about it kind of put a wedge between our relationship, me and him. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I would do best things to him, and uh, it just wasn't like, it, I, got, I, I feel like I should have just kept those things to myself. Because uh, the devil knew how to use these things against each other, uh, against us, to, to, to cripple the relationship between us, so that I would have to go back into the world of sin. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do the right thing. I brought the girl to church, and, um, you know, she would wear provocative things. She was a very promiscuous woman. And, but she would uh, wear provocative things, and uh, you know, uh, I would have to you know, turn my head, Hollywood, and, and have to ignore her at times because I wanted to keep my faith and my salvation. And so, I'm I'm going back to Stanley Miranda's house, and uh, I'm pregnant with baby number two with this with this young lady, and. We're an on and off couple who still had a, a flame for each other. The flame was so that we still had a spark. And I just wanted to marry her. But uh, it was not until a few years later that I would come to marry her. Uh, at that time, before the few years came up, at that time, 
we're looking at like three or four years, starting even over five, four to five years, knowing where Victory Chapel and I finally got saved after like three or four years. I can't remember exactly what time I was at the time. I went back to Stanley's house and uh, I asked permission if I can go and see the baby be born. And uh, I went to see the baby be born that I got to leave his house. So I never went to see that baby born. And that was baby number two that I never got to see give birth. And uh, I regret it to this day. And uh, I believe it, that's what got in between mine and Stanley's friendship because you know, we don't and I went and got a phone. My family put a phone on for me. It was a little track phone, touch screen track phone. And I'm, I got the touch screen track phone and uh, I'm on the phone with my child's mother trying to explain to her that if I was to go see her, things would have been uh, jeopardized for me over here. And so she's arguing with me. I'm arguing back. I'm trying to you know, have her understand. And while we're arguing, Stanley Miranda comes downstairs and he's like, you know, like uh, an angry father who's questioning how did, who, who, you know, how did I get that cookie from the cookie jar? It was almost like he didn't want me to have a cell phone. But, um, uh, you know, he had his reasons to be, you know, a terroristic uh, type of person, but I still thank him to this day because you know if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't experience real salvation. And um, I, I thank him to this day. I still do. You know, with that said, later on, years later on, I, well, so I uh, so with the phone incident, the phone situation with uh, Stanley Miranda caused me to be kicked out. Caused me to be kicked out of his house. I called Pat the Williams, and from there on. He put me in a bookstore where I was sleeping at night after I came home from work. I would sleep at the bookstore. I wake up, go to church, go to work, and come back to the bookstore and go to sleep. And then um, they got me with Brother CB and uh, Robin. Uh, yeah, I was there for a few months, a couple months, it was whatnot. And, um, it didn't work out. They were very good people, very good-hearted, grounded Christians, and uh, it never worked out. I just, I began to backslide. I, I, I remember smoking weed. One time I came back to the house stoned. They knew it, and I, I knew it, and I knew it wasn't going to be a good place for me to be because I just started to get back into the ways of it, and uh, I backslid, and I backslid for a little bit. I backslid for a little bit, and then, um, you know, my parents were still saved, hallelujah, and they started to bring me back to church after I was homeless, I was homeless, living on the streets for a little bit, and, um, you know, like the prodigal son, I came back, finally, my dad brought me back to church, he got me cleaned up, Jesus got me cleaned up, and um, I'm back in there, fellowshipping with people, and um, everything's going great. Everything's going wonderful, and um, I proposed to my uh, my child's mother. Were in the midst, of, I got married with her, and uh, we spent, we had you know we were we just didn't have the ceremony yet, uh, but we had rings. As I was uh, 
setting up a ceremony for Mary to marry her, a marriage ceremony. Um, forgot to, I left this part out. My 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 fiance at that time was uh, a drug addict herself, and she used the same drug my father used. So when I went to work and came home that day, they both left. And they were gone somewhere. We didn't know where they were. My mother was freaking out. I was freaking out. I was freaking out. Uh, you know. And we, we just didn't know what to think or what to expect. We thought something bad happened. And the two of them arrived back at the house. Uh, and they, they both were under the influence of crack cocaine. And, uh, I just didn't think it was right for me to allow the marriage to go on if, uh, you know, she was under the influence and I called off the ceremony back then and there. And, um, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't want the pastor to be defiled with uh, our sins, you know, and so I didn't allow this I never allowed it to keep going. I uh, I called my pastor up right away. I told him what was going on. And I would come clean. I said, uh, I feel like it's my fault because if it wasn't my habit, then soothed me on my habit. I was still using when I first got back saved again. Um, the last time, that last time. And uh, they, uh, uh, they, started to get high, I was, you know, I was giving it to them. I was, uh, I was supplying them with it. And, uh, feel like, you know, it's like I was ready to stop what they want. And, um, you know, from that day on, my dad never talked to me again. Uh, I had an argument with him. And, uh, a week later, he passed away. It was, I know, the drug overdose or a heart attack or something. We don't know that the, the doctor was unclear about what it was. And so, you know, um, you know, I was just, uh, I was broken. I was really heartbroken. And when, when I found out that my dad was in a coma, uh, we went to visit him and, uh, it was just very, it was just very heartbreaking. My heart was broken. And, um, between my wife started to go downhill she was cheating on me she stopped going to church she started running the streets she started doing drugs she started just doing a lot of stuff and um, uh, after she violated our marriage I divorced her once I divorced her um, you know uh, I, I can't even lie I was fornicating while we were going through the process uh, but this is the wages of sin. You gotta understand. I wasn't. I, I, I had backslid again, and um, when my dad died, I really backslid hard. I did, and I, I, I blamed God because I was like, you know, God, why does everybody else get to have a wife, and why me? Why can't I have what they have? And I didn't have my own situation. And, um, you know, I remember the prayer going to the nature of God, it's not right for us, and uh, don't let it work out, and it didn't work out. 
So I was very angry because, um, you know, how many people know that every time you ask God for an answer, it might not be the answer that you want. And, uh, you know, I didn't get the answer that I want that day. And so um, it really scarred me. It really hurt me. And, um, you know, I remember crying on my knees, on my hands and knees in the prayer room. I'm in the prayer room and I'm wailing out. I'm speaking tongues and I'm just getting a hold of God. And still, I wasn't able to, uh, you know, get that relationship back. And it really hurt me because that was my first love. And um, I spent eight years with that girl. And uh, even though it was on and off, it was something for me. So. Um, well, my dad was in a coma. We used to come up to him in Stoughton. Uh, Stoughton was the hospital he was located at. And um, it was very nerve-wracking to see him like that. And um, so, you know, when we, when we used to go there, we used to pray with him because, you know, people believe that when you're in a coma, you can hear, you can still hear, and... Uh, you can, you're talking back, but inside your head, inside your body, you're not moving, you're not, you're not literally physically talking or anything, but it's still, you know, you're still transpiring between, you know, your thoughts and what you want to, you know, and so, so we used to pray to him, and we prayed that uh, God give us a sign, we, we, we're, he's still alive, his brain dead, but Lord, you know, we're going to pray with him, and Lord, give us a sign that you took him up to heaven with you. And I'll never forget, he was in the coma seven months, okay? And the significance of seven was, you know, God rested on the seventh day, that whole dynamic. And uh, seven months later, on Christmas, I mean, on, uh, on Easter Day, on Easter Day, which is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, on that day, my father took his last breath. You know, he fought for seven hours that whole day. I counted everything, and um, so you know, I, I'm 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 like, okay, we got our. I can't even make this up. You know, we, we got our signs in heaven. You know, we asked God for a sign, and He's willing to give us. You know, we, we can't make this up. But uh, you know, I I just you know I know my father's in heaven. I know he made a mistake. I know that uh, if I had the chance to say I love you and uh, everything would be okay, I would I would definitely do that. You know, and it makes me emotional because you know my father was going to church after a long life of abuse, abusing himself, abusing his family, and abusing drugs, and of course, um, so you know I just. After a while, you would kind of wonder if you, you missed what was or if it's that you missed what could have been. And I'm, I'm leaning on the, to the side that I, I missed what could have been. And uh, moving on, you know, um, I, I divorced my wife shortly after my father died. And uh, after I divorced my wife, you know, I uh, I was going through this custody battle with her, and I 
made a promise to God. I said, God, if you give me custody of my children, I will make sure they come to church. I will give my children to you. They, they're yours. You can have them. I'll bring, the, I'll bring them up in your name. And um, but you got to promise me something, Lord, that you'll never let them get taken away again. And uh, he did that. And, uh, you know, he, he's been keeping his promise. Till this day, I, I, I've been in trouble with the law enforcement. I've been in trouble with the child services. And till this day, they have not taken my children. Hallelujah. And um, yeah, so with that much said, I began the, the, the countdown of when I was going to get back into Christ. And uh, I've been backslidden. At that time, uh, I, I backslid and then... Uh, I was backslidden for several years, several years. I'm 26 now. Uh, four years later, I catch a charge in Buffalo County for guns and drugs because I began to use, heavily use opiates. And uh, it began to run my life and ruin it. They run it and ruin it. And um, when you say the word run, Right, uh, it turns into ruin because you add that I, and that's exactly what it's all about. It's all about I. It's all about me, and then you know, you know, you know, you can't say ruin without I, and that's just the, that's just the dynamics of, of sin and addiction. Addiction ruins you because it's all about you, and it's all about you getting your next high, and um. It begins to take over your life. It begins to be the only thing you can think about. Uh, fornication comes into play. Um, you know, and you know, you just don't want to be that type of person. So, you know, when I came back to church, uh, it was in 2023. Okay, so in 2022, I got saved. I didn't get, I got arrested in Buffalo for guns and drugs. And then, and I got let out. I got released. And uh, later, no later than soon, I charged with another one. I, I, I got into a situation with the girl that I was dating. And uh, I tried to break up with her. She didn't want that. She put me in jail so that I wouldn't have new affairs with different women. And um, she, she uh, fabricated a big report against me. And um, ultimately, they you know, the, the cops found a gun that doesn't belong to me, but nevertheless, they found a gun and drugs that do belong to me. You know, drugs, I'm a drug addict at the time. And uh, when I got to jail, this second time in the same year, something was like, are you done? It was like God's voice. It was like, are you finished? Are you finished or are you finished because you can be finished? That's the thing that I heard. Are you finished or are you finished because you can be finished? And it was almost like saying, uh, Carlito, are you done or are you done? Because if you're not, then you're going to be all done. And I had to really look, read through those lines and I had to really be like, you know what? I, I give up. And uh, it was in 2022. And it was about the middle of 2022 that I gave my life back to God. 
and so uh, it was like the end of it actually, and uh, the beginning of 2023. So once I started going back to church, and um, so I started going back to church in 2022, gave my life back to God in 2023, and I've been strong ever since. And so inside here, this jail, I've been in here for more than a year. And I've run into so many guys and ran into encounters and dudes and, and people, rapists, murderers, uh, you know, dudes, uh, you know, all types of people, arsoners, uh, you know, this, this, you know, this, this one guy, he, he murdered his own child. And, and just, I, I'm in here with a whole diversity, different, different type of people from all different places. And, um, the one thing that God has given me is He's given me a set of eyes to see the people the way He sees them. Because you know what? Sin is all say, no matter how you look at it. It's the underlying, it's the underlying uh, issue that we deal with. And so, with that said, I, I, I got on top of you know, uh, I, I was watching this guy. I got on top of coming into a Bible study with this man, Peter. Peter used to run this Bible study by himself, and every time he was there, I was seeing him inside the, the room that we now label the prayer room. I would see him in there all the time. I would see him meeting with uh, three or four different fellows, um, and, um, you know, I, I got invited into this place one time and so while i got invited i was like well i already go to church so okay i'll come and i started going and um and so we started uh touching on like you know the holy spirit and stuff like that and we already go to church inside here there's a church that happens every friday they come in, the church people come in, we all, all group up and we all go over there. And so now here we are. Here we are. We're sitting at the Bible study and uh, I have some notes. And I've been coming for like a, a couple weeks at that time, you know. And he's like, uh, Carlos, you got anything to, uh, call me Tito in He said, Tito, do you have anything you want to share? So I shared my notes, my stuff that I got, you know, I shared some of my notes and everybody was like laughing, clapping, cracking up and, and laughing and, and clapping and, and, you know, smiling and like, wow, that was great. And uh, I didn't know the anointing that was there at the time, you know, so later on, I, um, I started to, uh, that's what I started to do. I started to dive into my journals and my, my, my Bible. And I would acquire revelation. I would pray, God, can you give me revelation so I can share this revelation with some people? And that's what I began to do. I, I began to jot, jot down things and compare them. And, uh, you know, I would be able to sum certain things out. And um, I, I began to, to, to share my revelations. And somebody came up to me and said, you should be a preacher. I said, I don't know about that. They said, yeah, yeah, Pastor Cito. I'm like, really? And, you know, I'm laughing. It was a joke at that time. And um, and I'm in the middle of studying. And uh, I'm in the middle of studying, and all of a sudden, it came to me. It said, you are a preacher. You can't be a pastor. 
Sure, you need some work. Absolutely. But what do you think preaching is? It's getting revelation and sharing the revelation with the folks. And I just was like, wow, God, I'm honored. I'm honored, you know, to be one of your disciples, to be one of your humble servants. And so uh, that's exactly what I did. I, did be, I became a servant and um, served people. As I'm serving time, I serve people. And um, this is what I do. People come up to me and they talk with me. I give them counsel. But I don't give them counsel from my own experience that come from the Bible. I give them how I ask for God. God, give me the words. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not really fit for this. I haven't been trained for this. You know, so God gives me the words. And I, I lead people in the in the path of, of, of the New Testament, how the New Testament or the Ten Beatitudes and how you have to, you know, you know, I, I, I just try to give it as best as I can. Okay. When I go in there and I preach, I preach with Holy Ghost fire. I don't preach off of my own accordance. I don't have what it takes. You know, my my own persona, my own way of thinking is not God's way of thinking so there's no way I can do this on my own so I always ask for God's help whenever I do uh, preach or whenever I do give people advice when they come to me so um, you know and it's been a blessing to be here to be a humble servant uh, I serve the people you know and uh, I, it makes me feel really good and so um you know, we've been doing that for a few months strong. Me and Peter, we run, we run this uh, ministry inside this jail called Behind the Walls, and um, it's just uh, it's been glowing. We have about ten guys now. Uh, not all of them came on, but uh, the majority of them came and spoke and gave the testimonies. And uh, I couldn't be more. I couldn't be more happy to be a part of something so big to be a part of something like this revival that's going on behind the walls thank you ladies and gentlemen all right so my name is steven azor uh 27 years old born and raised in brooklyn new york uh came out from massachusetts at a at a little age i was my mother my mom's single mom you know she always believe in us going to the churches and all that good stuff but uh, as most black kids in our community some of us are kind of stubborn and I was one of those stubborn kids you know I grew up as a single parent a single parent home just my mother my little brother and my two sisters um it was kind of tough for us you know what I'm saying we bounced from house to house bounced from different town to town city to city whatever you want to call it um it was tough for my mom to make the rent you know what I'm saying and I'm the oldest, so I kind of was put there the whole thing. So I kind of understood my mom's life in a different way than my brothers and sisters. You know, I thought they were unfortunate. They, didn't, they got the silver spoons to the, you know what I'm saying? They didn't get the silver spoons. So um, uh, I thought that I could kind of take things to my own hands and kind of try to get out there. I was, you know, selling drugs, doing whatever, thinking I was doing the right thing rather than trying to keep my head down and go to school and try to, you know what I'm saying, get a career to help my mother out. Um, just kind of trying to live a fast life and it kind of led me into some dark paths, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's still, you know, came on our home. My mom ended up 
you know what I'm saying, leaving us on our own for a little bit, you know what I'm saying, as we got older. So it kind of was just me, my brother, and my sister. And it was tough. It was tough for all of us. You know, because I come from a family where my uncles and my aunts, you know, they, they, they're heavy in the church. My cousins are heavy in the church. So we was kind of the outliers in the family. I never had stability, though. I never had any type of stability. And I think um, that's what I was looking for my whole life, you know what I'm saying? Thinking that I could do things that I didn't need to do. But I thought it was necessary because it was just the hand that was given to me. And it was kind of something that I grew to, grew to know, you know what I'm saying? It was something that I'm trying to change. I found myself in a lot of trouble. I actually took my shahada when I was young. I was very misguided. And I always believed that, you know, I could just always do things on my own. I never really sat down and was able to kind of, you know, put my faith in God and let him lead my life and lead my way. And it led me into a lot of trouble. You know what I'm saying? Um, before I met God, I was, you know, getting into a lot of trouble on the streets a lot doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. I kind of lived a double life, you know, and anytime I came home, I would say the picture-perfect kid, you know what I'm saying? But anytime I left that house, you know, I was saying that I'm in one place, but I was always doing something else that I shouldn't have been doing, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, uh, the way I found God, to be honest with you, man, I had, I had five tries. I had a, I tried to have a kid five different times, you know, in the span of like six years, five different women, and they all miscarried every single one of them. So, what really brought me to God, I actually just had my firstborn son six months ago, you know? But I always thought, I was told that I wasn't going to be able to have a kid. I was always just praying, because that's the only thing I kind of wanted, you know what I'm saying? Was to be able, I knew I just wanted a little child in my life, you know, so change my life, change my way. Six months ago, right before I actually got in here, um, I got a phone call. She was saying that she was pregnant. I thought it was another one of those things, you know, like, you know, uh, probably not gonna happen for me, you know? And it actually happened. So I named my son after Zakai from the Bible. You know what I mean? And my last name is Azo, which is also one of the the fathers in the Bible that I was reading. That I was reading on. And that's what really brought me to God because I I, it, I noticed I gave myself another chance. He gave me another chance to see life through a different lens. You know what I'm saying? Open up my heart, open up my faith. You know what I'm saying? Lead my way. It helped me change. Because I wasn't going to be doing good. I was on the way out. I was on the way down. Like, downhill bad. Because I was like, you know what? If I can't, if I can't leave a legacy out of here, man, then, you know what I'm saying? I didn't really think I had a purpose for real. But now I have a purpose and now I'm changing. I came in here. I met a guy like Cito. You know what I'm saying? Broke me, broke my, broke my, my faith. You know what I'm saying? And um, uh, I honestly didn't know what I was going to say or what to say or how to say it. to actually open up the Bible, open up the scripture and try to understand, not just read it to read it, 
or, or not just sit down and listen just to say I'm just listening, you know what I'm saying? I'm actually trying to understand the word, understand what God has given for me, you know what I'm saying? Because he has a plan. I believe that he has a plan for me. I believe that his plan is going to, you know what I'm saying, succeed, succeed what I thought I could do for myself, what I could do for others. And I just want to be a shepherd now. So, you know what I'm saying, not only but to be able to help and kind of teach the others too is to teach the next man to be a better figure for my son you know what I'm saying because now I'm not just living this life for myself so I just wanted to you know say those words those words real fast um, I just want to appreciate you for everything that you're doing right now Hi uh, my name is uh, Peter Petioshin uh, I recently found uh, Jesus and, uh, you know, I could take, uh, under the wings of the Lord. Um, I've been, uh, born, uh, Orthodox Christian in Eastern Europe. Got baptized, uh, at the age of 13. I was, you know, being faithful up until my, uh, late teens when I had some, uh, disappointments in life and, uh, you know, my back on uh, Jesus and on religion. Uh, started, you know, a lot of those, uh, you know, non-believer stuff about how religion is made and God doesn't exist and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, kind of uh, straight away for a while. And up until eight months ago when I got in jail and uh, I was approached by a person here who was preaching uh, he literally, uh, you know, brought me to the group uh, doing Bible studies and uh, I kind of got hooked up again and, um, you know, decided to uh, start reading the Bible a little deeper. Throughout um, my life, I, start, uh, I started it a couple of times, never finished it. But this time I said to myself, you know, I want to myself to, uh, you know, finish it. So I read the Bible from uh, start to finish. And more I was reading the Bible, more I was attending uh, Bible studies and church groups at the jail. You know, I started believing more and more. And I also witnessed a uh, few miracles uh, which happened uh, while I was attending church groups and uh, while I was... Uh, Still, um, pretty much in the beginning of my uh, return to Jesus. So, it was a very emotional, uh, very strong uh, feelings. Uh, I had the spirit uh, come to me, and uh, you know, now I'm truly hooked up. I am, uh, you know, I'm working with Christ right now, and uh, there is no other way uh, around. You know, I'll give you a little bit of. Uh, testimony about, you know, my life on the outside before I got to jail was, uh, it basically reached a point in which uh, I did not see any progress in my development. Uh, I graduated uh, my college, I got into the job environment, uh, I worked for many years and, uh, you know, I did not see any progress, uh, just work, 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 work. Um, I was actually jeopardizing um, time that I could spend with my kids just to work and try to make more money and more money and more money I was making, I was actually less enjoying life and less enjoying the money that I was making. 
it got to a point that uh, you know uh, Jesus decided to pull me out of this uh, hole, basically uh, stuck in the mud, uh, spinning tires, and uh, I did uh, what I did uh, by cutting my dress and chair, and I realized that uh, this is uh, how Jesus, uh, you know, decided to save me by pulling me out of. Uh, the whole place in here so I can uh, reconnect with him and uh, start uh, working on my new future. And um, pretty much uh, I've been uh, very uh, encouraged by things happening around me, by the Holy Spirit and a lot of the uh, things that I discovered about uh, the Lord and uh, also, you know, the gifts that he has uh, given us. I uh, found that I actually uh, can write very differently, so I started writing some short stories inspired by the Bible, as well as some uh, poetry also inspired by the Bible. And, um, you know, I just want to take more and more every day, and I see that the only way out nowadays uh, in this world, uh, it's uh, true. Uh, Jesus to, to God and um, so I made up my mind I made up my heart and um, from now on I'm following Jesus and I recommend to everybody if they want to be saved they want to have a bright future they want to escape uh, from all the evil that surrounds us right now and uh, you know they just need to follow follow Jesus follow God and um uh, you have to find once we once we go under the laws of protection and truly have faith and belief everything is possible and everything is possible through uh, God so yeah, uh, you know if you I know a lot of people outside on the outside um, had some faith and things happened just like in my case they straight away but um, my uh, advice is don't wait. Um, the sooner you get uh, back under the protection of the Lord, the sooner the miracles will start happening in your life, and the sooner you will start prospering. So it's only doable through God. Uh, we cannot do it by ourselves. I was, uh, you know, lying to myself, thinking that uh, I can do it by myself. I don't need uh, the help of the Lord. But uh, it brought me to uh, a dead end. And now I see so much part of the future for myself, you know. So my advice to everybody is go back to God, return to your father. Rely on him and have faith. That's it. You know, even when I'm in jail, he's taking care of, full care of my family. And my family lacks nothing. He has surrounded us with good friends. And, uh, you know, everybody's uh, helping him and, um, you know, uh, he is, uh, he is uh, given plenty, he provides, that is for sure. You know, I was young and uh, I guess uh, ungrateful and uh, at some point I got a little too cocky, you know, I started reading books thinking that, you know, I'm the right books, uh, thinking that, you know, I'm seeing the truth with my you know, pretty much uh, child's brain, 
that I comprehend the things better, you know, and uh, I know better. But yeah, uh, it wasn't true. It was all, uh, you know. But I guess um, that's what the Lord wants us to do, you know. Uh, he wants us to come to Him with our own will, you know. So He does things on purpose, you know. He teaches us. So I, you know. It was a learning experience in my case throughout my whole life. I, I needed him. I needed him desperately, and uh, he showed up. You know, that's it. It's uh, yeah, once, once you once you go back, you never go back. You know, it's uh, you know once you go back, you're hooked up. You swallow that hook deep. You know, so yeah, first uh, first time first time was more like you know because I I'm a fisherman and I can relate to that. You know, casting the line. That's what the Lord does. He casts the line, and we're like a smaller fish. We can we, we can really bite on the hook. We just you know grabbing, grabbing, but we can really get hooked. But as we grow, you know, as we get more experience in life, now my, our mouths are getting bigger, and suddenly we can swallow the hook that the Lord has given us, and uh, we get really hooked. That uh, parable makes sense. All you need to do is just open the Bible. If whoever says that it's out there, you just need to open the Bible and they will find the current situation uh, uh, that we live in right now, written uh, 2,500 years ago. So I don't know how outdated that is, you know what I mean? It's a valuable book that anybody can have in their collections, you know? I'll tell you, the wisdom is uh, eternal, you know, as the Lord is eternal. So, you know, any any word written in it is valid from now and forever. So, whoever says that uh, the Bible is out there, that means they never opened the Bible. That's, and uh, the other thing is, you know, tomorrow I'm going for sentencing. It's judgment day for me. But I have a high hope in the Lord, so I'm not afraid. You know, the Lord works miracles every day. I know He works behind the scenes, opens doors, doors that nobody can close. And um, you know, I know, I know he's, he's opened doors for me right now. So, and, and He's keeping them wide open for me. So, so going with Him, you know. Yeah. So um, I grew up on Cape Cod um, in Sandwich. Um, family's, uh, pretty good. I mean, my parents, uh, were together and, uh, had a younger brother. Um, there's no real issues growing up. Um, I was raised Jewish, um, first off. Um, so, um, had a background in that. Um, I went to Hebrew school for like eight years and actually had my uh, bar mitzvah and uh, traveled to Israel as a birthright. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was actually my first run-in with uh, alcohol, which is the reason why I'm in jail at the moment. Right. Um, so... Uh, it's followed me since uh, I was 14 uh, but uh, basically I fin- finished high school went to college and uh, uh, things started to get like haywire with the alcohol and uh, experimenting with things so well in Israel um, there is no drinking age it's 
pretty much it. If you can reach the counter, you can buy it. Um, so, um, it was, there was about 300 kids that had come along from the United States and we were led by staff members and things, but there, there was periods of time or, um, like downtime where we could walk in the city or whatever. So, um, there, there was a bunch of kids asking about alcohol and things, and I saw it as an opportunity to, like, gain popularity, um, that sort of thing. Or, like, I think I was, I was interested in one of the girls. I wanted to just um, make a name for myself or whatever, so I wound up buying the alcohol, and um, unfortunately I got caught um, with a couple of other people and it jeopardized the, the trip. I almost got sent home early. Unfortunately, I was able to stay, but like the the lead staff member actually made, it was uh, me and two other boys at the time that were, um, we had to call home and basically tell our parents and the rabbi what we had done. And, uh, I, I was very apologetic, and um, they allowed me to stay, but the two other boys were actually sent home early. Well, after after I got back, um, I my parents had two fridges, one in the house that didn't have any alcohol in it, and then there was one in the garage that they'd have beer and um, wine, different things like that. Um, and I guess... I just had, like, uh, always this, like, inner demon sort of, like, um, telling me, like, you can try to, like, sneak it. Like, I remember pouring out some of the wine or liquor and then refilling it with water. And, um, and then, uh, around 15, 16, when I started dating, um, I used alcohol as a crutch to kind of alleviate any stress and make myself feel like I was smoother, just like I would fit in better. So, and and it, it's that sort of uh, mentality at a young age that reinforced this, like, alcohol is good for me, like it's positive, because for, for a long time it didn't result in negative consequences. Like, in Israel, I had to call home, but after that, I really didn't get in trouble with uh, alcohol until I was, like, 21. Basically, for a while, they just thought I was just being, like, a kid or um, just experimenting. They never knew that it was an actual problem or that I'd become an alcoholic. Um, So, I... um, I went off to college at UMass Dartmouth for mechanical engineering, and uh, I did very well my first year. And uh, my second year, again, I was dating a girl, and she wanted to party a lot, and uh, I lost focus. And um, that's when uh, I started drinking a lot, going to parties, um, trying different drugs and things. And, um, just, I, I eventually stopped going to class and 
I don't know what I was thinking at the time because I, I knew my life was spiraling downward and that if I didn't go to class, I, I just, I don't know. And I, I think at that time, even then, the alcohol had such a grip on me that the high was sufficient enough for me to forget all the other things that I would lose in the process. So I, I wound up uh, failing out the second year and uh, from then, I, uh, I actually went into the Navy. Again, I, I picked a path and I was headed uh, for really uh, good success. And um, the alcohol kind of took that away again. So I, I went in as a nuclear mechanic. And um, <clears throat> they were going to give me like $100,000 sign-on bonus and all these things. and. I was um, two-thirds of the way done with the schooling, and I wound up getting a public intoxication in South Carolina. So I, I was derailed from that program, and I wound up just um, being like a conventional mechanic. And uh, I was uh, really upset with myself for that, and um, my drinking kind of just took off from there. And in uh, 2016, I got my first DUI in Florida, and um, the Navy, as a result, um, kicked me out. So, yeah, so after my bar mitzvah, um, we went to the synagogue for a little bit, but then it kind of dropped off, and um, uh, I definitely lost sight of, um, like, a religious path at that point. I mean... I've always thought about God and that sort of thing. I just, I wasn't um, super religious. Um, so I converted to Christianity, um, I believe, in 2022. And that was, uh, I kind of followed my dad with that because um, he was also Jewish. Um, my mom was, was always Christian. Um, but I decided that I would uh, convert and uh, get baptized. And basically, uh, after my DUI in the military, um, I had to do a year-long treatment program in Florida. And since that, I've done numerous treatment programs, um, residential, AA, and all these things. And a common denominator in that is a relationship with God. Although, um, although I was raised Jewish, um, I never felt like the a closeness with God, partially because it's in a different language, and I think the rabbi didn't lead the group that as he could have. Um, through my travels and treatment and things, um, the relationship between me and God, I think, grew, and uh, I could understand um, Christianity better and more identify with that than um, Judaism. And when my when my dad converted as well, that just made it that much easier. I think uh, an interesting thing to bring up and uh, something I always think about is 
when I had my bar mitzvah, I had a Torah portion that I had to read in Hebrew, but I also translated it. Um, and it talked about a Nazir, which is a person that devotes his life to God, that he will be absent, that he won't consume alcohol, won't do anything that alters his mind. And at the, when I read that at 14, obviously I didn't understand, or 13, I didn't understand what that meant. But I always think back to that now and think it's funny that God put that in place. Like as a, there's no coincidence there that I would read that and live the life I have. So it, it's always like that I make strides in the right direction and then think complacency losing uh, sight of like what's important the problem is that I, I, I fall into the cycle that I, I always um, I do good and then I mess up another thing that I, I've dealt with recently I, I got diagnosed when I was 29 and I'm 31 now uh, I, I was having a a stretch of sobriety like a year and a half and um, I had a uh, I started having um, a manic episode um, which later doctors uh, told me I had bipolar so another um, thing I've had to realize is that no matter what God's will is going to be done like even if I see my life panning out a certain way and I want to control the path, there, there's points where I have to submit and understand that God's working in ways that I may not understand. And that doesn't mean I quit and go back to my old ways of drinking. That was an instance where I was doing really, really well and I got hit with a setback the bipolar and unfortunately months later decided that I'm going to drink again. I agree that bringing Jesus closer and it is a solution. Okay, my name is Chanar Jackson. I grew up in, in, in the church with my family. You know, over the years, I um, you know, I was going to church. You know, I was being an usher boy, and eventually, when I got older, you know, things went a different route. I backslid from from God and ran to the streets. You know, I practically pretty much ran to the streets because my parents was not not there to you know, show me the way, the right way, and how to live, and this, that, and the third, and. Unfortunately, it has landed me in here where I'm at now. So before I came, I was, you know, like, doing things not of God, you know, like selling drugs and going out with all these adulterous women. And, you know, God has put an end to it. And, you know, he came and sat down. So that's how I ended up here. But since I've been here, you know, I've changed my life. I'm going to turn my life around. You know, I'm not from Massachusetts. I'm from Florida. But by the grace of God, since I've been here, He's He's blessed me. He's 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 done things for me that I I, I didn't even think that it would even happen. But 
I know he's here right along with me with this journey that I'm on. I wanted to thank him right now for the things that he's been doing in my life. Um, I have a fiance, I have a engaged um, my fiance, she's out there. But God always makes sure that she wants for nothing, you know. If I came in here, I was homeless, you know, me and my girl, and God has made a way for her, you know, to have somewhere to stay and not in the cold. And I'm thankful for that. Then I want to be, I'm going to turn 40 on wing on Thursday. Yeah, so it's been like, it's been a struggle for me, man. I mean, it's not my first rodeo in, in, in jail or whatever, you know. I've been back and forth, back and forth. You know, but, I mean, I'm getting too old to do this, man. Like, this is, uh, enough is enough, man. I keep telling myself that, but I keep falling short. I believe, um, you know, my father has a plan for me, you know, just turning around. Brought me here to really open my eyes and see what I was doing and what, which way I was going. And uh, since I, you know, surrendered to him and opened up to him and, you know, he's been showing me little things of what he can do if I just continue to go to course with him. And I'm grateful for that, you know. And I just thank God for, you know, for my life, health and strength. You know, I just thank him for, you know, letting me be able to still talk to my family even then. Even, even though they're so far away from me, still blesses me to where I can communicate with them. That's, that's, that's something real big for me. Maybe to talk to my mom. I haven't spoken with my dad as yet, but, uh, you know, I tell her to, you know, talk to him for me or speak to my grandma and stuff like that. You know, it's a blessing for me, for me to be able to talk to my loved ones while I'm in here. Because as I remember before, there's been times where I wasn't able to do that. Give him the praise, you know, and the glory. My name is Jarius McWilliams, and I feel like my life is always given to Jesus because I was baptized at a young age. So I feel like even when I didn't always necessarily say he was in my life, I feel like he was always in my life. Um, I feel like I, I can just notice every time that he, he does things because I don't think he does things to me. I feel like he does things for me. And... I feel like that's the way a lot of people should look at it because a lot of times, like, there was a time where I was just doing a lot of bad and I was trying to get money and, and get my life set up doing the wrong things. So, and then when I was trying to do those things and get rich in those bad ways, it would always be something just blocking me. Like, every time, it would just never work out for me. And I would, I would be sad, I'd be mad, and feel like things aren't working out. But I realized that they weren't working out for they were they were not working out for a reason. He he wanted me to do something way better in my life, use my voice and and use my use my my brain that my 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 smart intelligent brain that he's giving me to to make businesses and use my voice and make music. Because as soon as I started doing those things. They worked out for me. Everybody was cheering me on, wanting me to do these things, and and I would I would feel a lot of admiration from people when I when I talk about these things. So that's just what I want to say. I feel like he he's always been in my life. He does um, he does things for me, and 
she stopped me, blocked me from, from all those bad paths to hop on a good and a better path. Did you ever recommit your life to Jesus, man? Because you know what? I, listen, like, no, I, I grew up going to church, yeah. too. You know what I'm saying? It's like my parents took me to church. I went to church. I knew God was real. But when I, you know, yeah. when I when I turned 18, I moved out, and it was like game on. You know what I mean? I'm doing my thing. and But um, when I turned 30 years old, man, December 25th, 1988, I went to church, man, and, and, I, and I rededicated my life to Jesus because... You know, the way I had been living before, you know what I mean? Yeah, God was real. I knew he was there. But I knew it was like I hadn't, I didn't have that connection with him. So when, when I recommitted my life to Jesus on that, on that day, man, it's like, that's when everything really began to change for me. Because, you know, you know, we, we learn about God growing up. Thank God our parents tell us about that. But God wants us to make a decision as adults, as men, you know what I'm saying? And we, and we decide, okay, God, you know, this is not just something that my family taught me. This is... This is what I need. I, I need you in my life. I need you to guide me. I need you to be my savior, you know? And uh, that's when my life really, really yeah. began to change yeah. around. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm only 21. Yeah? You know, I just turned 21. Um, I, turned, I turned 21 in the county, sadly, you know, but in my situation that I'm living here now, um, it's still an open case. And I, I, I pray to God I didn't do that, and I got shit because just the way things turn out is it's already pretty better. I know, like, this shit could have went, it could have, it's hard to swear, but it could have went a very different way. And it, it could have went, I mean, in so many different ways. So, um, I thank God my, my case isn't even a bad year. I got a bail right now, so my family's getting that together. But, um, yeah, I'm only 21, and I feel like I've always had a, you're right, you're absolutely right there. You dedicate, you dedicate everything you said, yeah, um, I need to, I need to establish this connection with him. And I would say I was probably, um, 19, I think I was like 19, 19, where, the, um, I was just trying to get my life together by myself, and I just went totally broke. I didn't have a dollar to my name after just having thousands being there, and I just went totally broke, and, I'm going out, I sat there and, and I cried real quick, you know, and I thought the second word she started doing, I, I, I thought it was going to be over. I thought my life was over and I just cried and, and cried and, and, and I just had an epiphany and just prayed to God that, that I know, I know that he, he's here for me and I, that he does it, he did this for a reason and I know that things are going to get better. And then after I cried, I, I got back up. I never cried again, and I did what I had to do. And I worked on my businesses and my music, and things just went up from there. Things went up from there. And, and I thank God, and I look back every day, and I will never forget that day that that, that happened. And ever since then, I, I prayed every night, and I prayed every day, and I've asked for, I asked for guidance. Every, every time I pray, yeah. I ask the ask the and and I feel like he's always with me. And, and I know and I know well, I know I know he's with me. I absolutely know it. But yeah, I was solid about nineteen years old when it happened. Alright, so listen, so since you've been inside, have you um 
you ever love took the time to do a, a prayer rededication and committing your life to Jesus? Anybody pray that prayer with you? Um, no, we can do that. We can do that right now. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I want you to pray with. Just repeat after me. All right. Say, Father. Okay. In the name. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I repent of my sin. I repent my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. To pay the price for my sin. To pay the price for my sins. And that he rose from the dead. And he rose from the dead. To give me eternal life. To give me eternal life. I invite Jesus. I invite Jesus. Into my heart. Into my heart. As my personal Savior. As my personal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name.